We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on? We welcome into Jack Dreams. It's Danny Morang, Brandon, the World Ender Sprague, <laughs> <laughs> comes to you live today, oh, Tuesday, man. April nineteenth. It has been a while, mostly because I have been a uh, pile of nothing. Uh, my hip has been acting up like crazy. I may have overdid it ever so slightly. Um, I, I mowed my yard, uh, which for me is two miles of mowing. <laughs> And then, much. I, and then after that, I got on the Peloton for 30 minutes, and I may have overcooked the hip a little bit. I could barely walk. Got to the chiropractor, and they adjusted me, and I wanted to die yesterday. Um, but also at the same time, I felt a million times better. Uh, I feel way better now uh, being back here with you guys. So uh, we'll go into a ton. We'll spend about an hour. we got the games going on the, on the side here. Uh, I'm watching uh, Minnesota-Memphis because um, I don't care about Atlanta. Yeah, no, I I only care about Trey Young making four threes or more, and he's not doing that. So, <sighs> yeah, I just I I have no interest in him or the Hawks team. Just, yeah. um, but um, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much. I know it's been a little while. Uh, we told you we were going to take a few days, regardless of me having my situation. But uh, we needed just a little bit of a break. It's been uh, it's been a lot this season, but I'm glad to be back. We will get back onto at least once a week live shows, and I will start pumping out the uh, production quality stuff on the Emily targets draft picks uh, interviews. We've got Ricky um, from SB Nation coming up later this week. It'll uh, it'll be fun. So uh, again, thank you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. If you're new here, we appreciate you. We love you. I know there's a bunch of people here that are really still irritated and pissed off um, about the Pelicans pick not conveying and where the Blazers sit right now and all those things. We will go into all of it. I will answer as many questions as I can. Uh, we will answer as many questions as we can. Uh, I have a ton here on the uh, Twitter thread. So, again, thank you all. We appreciate you. Uh, welcome. So, um, Bryn, it's been a while, buddy. How you doing? I uh, I was really surprised that we didn't do this yesterday. And I, I got to my computer roughly around 4.30. I started doing some show prep stuff. I'm like, okay, he'll text me and be like, hey, we good for six? And I was like, yeah. And, nope, I got a text. was like, go tomorrow. I'm going to die. And I was like... <laughs> 
Yeah, let's not let's not uh, force a podcast on people when you sound like you're gonna die. Like yeah. I think that's better for you to relax. Um, it's uh, been a couple days, I'll say, since we did the live watch party. Um, I'm really. Oof. It's gonna be interesting discourse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't I didn't want to tweet Friday during the Pelicans game. I did. Um, I know you did. <laughs> I know. I I know because I woke up with even more mentions of how you're an idiot, mm-hmm. and I just find the reaction to it very fascinating. So it's been interesting. So it's a universal. We all wanted Jeremy Grant, huh? Because to me, that pick was going to get Jeremy Grant. We didn't get the pick. It was a huge bummer. There's no refuting that. Yeah. But like the reaction is if that's the game-changing franchise thing that was going to wreck and, them. And not the lottery pick that could end up top three. And not the – yeah, well, and not the lottery <laughs> pick. But like I, I don't know. I just – I had thought it was common knowledge uh, that that pick was going to be used to trade for Jeremy Grant. And I had seen some pushback on Jeremy Grant. Like, is he really worth it? And that's fine. But, like, after they made that loss, it was like, Cronin's a bum. This is the worst trade of all time. Fire Uh, him. Fire him. The organization's doomed. And I just thought, wow. So, Jeremy Grant had 100% approval rating, and I didn't even know it. No. So, I want to roll this back before we push forward into where we're at right now. When all this happened in February, when all the trades were made, what did we say? Process, 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 process. It is about the process. For individuals, got to comment in here. Joe Cronin trades to be reevaluated, giving away, giving away Larry Nance Jr. for free. You know why they gave away Larry Nance Jr. for free? Because CJ's value wasn't that great, and they needed I was gonna to get say, off the money. <laughs> I was going to say because nobody That's, wanted CJ enough to just take him by himself. I'm not here to relitigate. I'm here to frame what how things were in that you're looking for a team that wants CJ McCollum. Okay. There's plenty of teams that wanted CJ McCollum. How many teams had the capacity to give him up or excuse me to take him on? How many teams had the assets that the Blazers were looking for, which is minimal salary in return mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to a lottery pick? Well, you narrowed it down to one team. As much as it was, it was like helping C.J. McCollum for his time in Portland, the Blazers weren't just like, yeah, no, ship him to New Orleans because that's where he wants to go. I mean, if they cared about getting him to a better team, it, they would have just taken an even worse deal and found somebody who might be slightly better than where New Orleans was at that time. The goals that they wanted to accomplish were not take back salary, get off bad deals, and reset the books financially. They accomplished those goals. Did they get the pick? No. Did the pick have like a 70, 75% chance of conveying when it, when the deal was struck? Yes. I, yes, I, it did. I mean, think you can make an argument, Danny. I, I went back and I read some stuff. I wanted to kind of get back into the frame of mind that we had. In February? The, yeah. In February 8th. That was the day that everybody wrote their pieces. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking at that time, because I've seen a lot of people say this, and I responded to a couple. They never responded back. I said, on February 8th, did you think the Lakers were not making the playoffs and the Pelicans were? No. And, and I think that's the tough thing is everybody's like, well, why didn't you take the Laker pick? And it's like, well, you got to go back to February, first of all, when this happened. Yeah. Cronin could have maybe evaluated that a little deeper, and maybe he would have ran with the conclusion that, hey, it's not going to work out. But nobody would have faulted him. I don't think anybody did fault him in the moment for taking that pick. Because at that point, the Pelicans were a sinking, rudderless ship 
who are in desperate They were awful. That, that's the, that trade was to save jobs. Like, yes. First of all, let's just Griff, make that Griff was clear. losing his job if he didn't make something happen. Absolutely. If they didn't make the playoffs this year, he was losing his gig. He's already maybe lost Zion. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. So it's just like, go back to February 8th and ask yourself, was the New Orleans pick worse than the Laker pick? Um, I, in the sense of that it was convey, I would say it's yeah. maybe 80 or, or a higher percentage that that pick was going to convey. It took COVID to stop that pick from conveying. COVID. Yeah. Not CJ being hot from the field. He played like absolute crap against the, the Clippers. In the last, let, let's, let's go. Look, I want to stop you there. In the last 12 quarters of basketball, CJ has played two good quarters of basketball. He's been awful. He's been awful the next 10. And look, I, I'm not going to name names. I will not name names. I just say on my timeline, I had to see and read about how CJ McCollum was the worst trade the Blazers have made. Yeah. How he's an all NBA all star guy because he beat the 14 game below 500 San, San Antonio, Antonio Spurs. Spurs. And then and absolutely did nothing against a Clipper team that were without Paul George and Luke Kennard. And he was an absolute no show in their first game one. So I haven't seen any of the tweets about how he's an all NBA guy. right? It's, now. it's weird. Over the last 10 quarters of basketball, I haven't heard anything about CJ McCollum going, you know, two for 11 in the second I half against the Spurs. Um, but again, this isn't to like relitigate the trades. And the, the reason I'm saying all this is because here's the frame, the process. You don't get to tank without getting rid of everybody and bringing nobody back. That's the thing. You don't get a chance at a top four pick by bringing back other players. They wanted to clear all of the salary commitments so that they could pay Damian Loader's extension, pay Anthony Simons his new deal, extend Yusuf Nurkic, and have the ability to get players that match what Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups want to build here. Which is hilarious because I found for so many years, and, and early on in the Chauncey stuff was, he doesn't have his players, he needs to get his players. This is how you get that way. You don't, you don't trade those guys for other veteran-type players that come back that are kind of moving the, the, the pieces around on, on the Titanic. You're, you're not you're rearranging deck chairs, which is what Neil right. O'Shea did for seven years. That's not what they want. They wanted to clear the deck and save except for Damon Ant. Because even at that time, we'll talk about it a little bit later, there were teams circling around Yusuf Nurkic on the trade deadline. I know of three teams that were looking at Yusuf Nurkic at the trade deadline. Like the Blazers weren't fully committed to the big fella quite yet. So how do you do that? You you do all of this to clear the table, to have the opportunity. And the Pelicans pick was like, okay, that's a nice little sweetener. That's what it was. That's what, it, because there was nobody out there who wanted C.J. McCollum, who was willing or able to give no money back. And the cost of that was Larry Nance Jr. Mm-hmm. It sucks when it all comes back in your face and blows up, but the process is the process. They wanted to get an opportunity at a franchise-altering lottery pick. The Pelicans pick was not that. It's their own. That's when the decision was made. Like, we are going to go sideways. Mm -hmm. And this isn't C.J. McCollum at 25 years old, 26 years old, 27 years old, 28 years old, 29. This is C.J. McCollum at 30 years old going into a $36 million season and a $39 million season after that. 
There's no deal out there that makes the Blazers better for C.J. McCollum. That's it. You, the toxic asset of Ben Simmons was the best possible outcome right. for them. And even that went sideways. Well, yeah, I mean, go back and look again to when he got traded. Please pinpoint the team that was offering anything for you C.J. Need, McCollum. You need a team that is not the best team because the best team is they're capped out. They don't have the the, the, the the financial wherewithal to make it happen. You need a middling team that goes wants to go from middling or below middling to average, which is what the Blazers were. Yeah. And that narrows the field to four teams. And of those four or five teams, how many have the money available? How many have the, the assets necessary or the, the financial capacity to take on C.J. McCollum and create those opportunities? Right. And the thing is, uh, Andrew Bear says, "Why does everyone just dismiss, dismiss the Bucks pick like it doesn't exist? Because it's easy to do. It's still a tangible asset. Because it's 2025. It's, yeah, we're we're because, looking too because so that far kid's the, 16 years old right now. That's that's why. Well, sure, yeah, but it's also an asset that many people don't think is going to be valuable uh, or is valuable right now, which is interesting in itself. Because I, while I think Giannis has a lot of Dame in him, who's to say in two years he doesn't win a t- another championship and then say?" I'm I want out. to move to I want I'm out. I I did everything. I want to see what it's like somewhere else. Like this league is too unpredictable for yeah. anybody to fully think that somebody is 100% committed from 3 years now. And that's the thing. So it's it's an interesting position to be in. I, when all these moves were made <laughs> What was the one thing I kept saying, Brandon? And even you, I had to tell you. We evaluate all this in August. Yeah. In August. And I've had people say, you just love Joe Cronin because he's not Neil Olshay. No. I have said from day one, you put somebody in there who's willing to take a risk and willing to try things, willing to strip things down and and swing for the fences. Sometimes you will miss. That's how this goes. But this isn't bottom of the night, two outs, nobody on. They've still got the TPE. They still have their lottery pick. They have multiple TPEs. They have cap space. They have the MLE. They have opportunities out there in front of them. And when you get to August, if they look like hell, then I'll be mad. Sure. But until then, I'm not going to lose my collective mind. Which is what everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people no, chose a lot to of do people after are that doing. Yeah. yeah, no, no doubt. And it's just like. No doubt. I also, I also you know. I think there's an element of Danny talking about this, the trade and the loss pick. And I, I think there's an element of, oh, well, you're just what you said. You're just shilling for Joe Cronin. First of all, I'm not paid by Joe Cronin. I'm not paid by the Blazers. Like if I think it's a good idea or I, I'm OK with it, I'll let you know. If I don't, I'll let you know. Like, I don't really care that much, but I'll let you know how I feel about it. And what I would say is I, I just find the whole thing fascinating because to me, a lot of that anger on Friday was obviously had a lot to do with that pick. You wanted that pick that was going to convey and become Jeremy Grant. I think we all know that. But I think a lot of the anger and the response that you saw of, well, now you you have no assets. You have no flexibility. Okay, first of all, let me ask you this. The Blazers team that was bereft of assets six months ago? Were they, were they, are they going to be a title contending roster by next year? I think everybody would say no, right? Like right now, Unless some crazy ass thing happens, everybody would probably say, well, no. Okay. So let's take a chill pill for a second. So next year, 
you're not competing. Can you make the playoffs? I believe Dame healthy this year with Ant playing, Nurk playing, and even with that middling roster is at least in the playing tournament. They're better than the Pelicans. I don't disagree with that at all. Okay, so there you go. There, yeah. There's the hindsight. Like, uh, you're going to be right back to where you were as borderline first-round team, which is what we saw quite a bit. The second part is, is maybe the most important part. It felt like a lot of misplaced anger. Not that you weren't frustrated that Larry Nance went away for nothing. Not that you didn't get the pick. And not that you don't think Joe Cronin made the greatest trade of all time. It's clearly not the greatest trade of all time. Nobody yeah. is saying that. But I think a lot of that anger has been built up for four years. And what you saw is you saw yeah. one outlier year of, oh, my God, West Finals is awesome, and a lot of heartbreak, disappointment, agony, and stubbornness. And I think the fan base lashed out on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and showed you that it was actually a deeper wound than they thought. You're not that upset at Joe Cronin. You're more upset by the fact that this team got to the point where somebody else had to come in here and say, this garbage pile is massive. You need to take it out. It needs yes. to be thrown away. This is an episode of Hoarders. Yes, you opened the door, and there's a pile of trash and five dead kittens under a bed, and you're upset, like, <laughs> Joe's moving dead kitten bodies. And yeah, it's exactly. Like, Instead of saying he's cleaning shit up, you're focusing on the fact that he's carrying five dead cats out of the room. I just, and I also, like, not for everybody here. I don't want to sound like I'm preachy. I know I sound like that sometimes. I don't mean to. This is not directed at everybody. There is a certain percentage of people, though. You, you just way overvalue every asset that plays in a Trailblazers uniform for three years or more. I mean, no, it does not that's, matter that's who they true. are. And, and the thing is, C.J. McCollum was a good player. I, I, I'll, I'll say it. I, I argued with Dwight on, on Friday, I think it was. Uh, Dwight James and I. Like, I was arguing with him over the value of C.J. McCollum. C.J.'s a good player. He's barely a top 50 player. And that's not, that's not nothing. But when you're talking about a franchise pillar, your franchise pillar can't be top 50. You can't. No. That's, that's not a thing. That's not a franchise pillar. That's a really good role player. And getting, getting out of that and getting out of that mindset and the framing of Neil Olshay for nine years selling you what franchise pillars are and were to what they are now which is, listen, we our franchise pillar is Dame. We think Anthony Simons can be one of those guys. We don't know yet. But they're going to pay know. him like he better damn well be because they're going to pay him. They're like gonna, well, they're going to pay him, but they're not yeah. going to pay him $36 million. Well, no, no, not yet. And that's the thing is you're looking – and I, for people – I've, I've had people say that I'm not consistent. If, if nothing else, I'm very consistent. <laughs> you're stubbornly consistent. yes. In the sense of, in 2017, when I said, if they're going to move up and draft somebody, draft Donovan Mitchell. Because if Donovan Mitchell turns into 75% of C.J. McCollum on a rookie-scale deal, that puts you in a position to trade C.J. McCollum and get something of value back to adjust things to where the, the roster makes more sense. Anthony Simons at $20 million is making two-thirds of what C.J. McCollum was and will be on par with his production. Right. And he's going to be eight years younger. And you're going to have $16 million difference, a whole-ass starter in the NBA difference. And there's a, the likelihood that Anthony Simons outperforms his contract is significant. C.J. McCollum never outperformed his contract after his rookie deal. Never. Never. 
That kind of adjustment, everybody, they, they want to talk about the idea of it coming back. And it's just, it's very, very different because you don't get tangible stuff mm-hmm. because we're so used to one for one or one for two transactions. The tangible stuff coming back has is actually nothing. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. And I know that is a difficult thing to grab. And I'm not saying I'm like, I'm all worldly for understanding that it's a, it's a stupid thing to, to kind of take in because if that nothing doesn't convey into something else, mm-hmm. then you are screwed. Right. That is the thing. That's why, that's why I keep getting back to August. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now... The question I keep getting asked over and over again, and number one, I keep seeing a bunch of people in comments saying, is this optimistic, Danny? No, this isn't optimistic, Danny. This is just the process. This is Had Neil Olshay done this five years ago, I would have endorsed it. You could go back and listen to the, one of the literal oh. thousands of podcasts that I did about this. The problem, Danny, not to interrupt you, but like the problem with saying that is like you actually would have had better value in return for CJ McCollum. You would have had an actual all-star type player in a Jimmy Butler, in a Paul George. Hell, maybe a Kawhi Leonard. We don't know who would have taken what, but we know that you didn't try. They didn't try to do that until James Harden. And James Harden was like, well, I go play with my guy KD and go play with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Or 
I can go to Portland and or I can leak to Chris Haynes that Portland's in my top five just to do a wink and a nod, get the deal done, send me to Brooklyn, please. I just I think that's the frustrating part is if you evaluate this trade three or four years ago, your asset in return is actually substantial and something to to write home about. Whereas this one was like we were live watching a play in tournament game, hoping that we have a top 14 draft pick and hopes that you get a non all star player in Jeremy Grant. And I just find the whole thing bizarre. This like you didn't get return for CJ. Please direct me all powerful being and tell me what the return for CJ should be when his contract's going to get to 36 and he's never even sniffed an all-star game. Yeah. Please tell me, should it have been another all-star player at this point? No. You know why? Because Portland, by the time they actually had to make that trade, lost all their leverage. That was as good they as had you zero leverage on, And none of them just the CJ trade. All, all the trades they made. Everybody knew what was happening. Sure, they knew it was blowing it up. But even coming into the year itself with mm -hmm. Neil at the helm, you instantly lost your leverage yes. because everybody knew, well, that ship ain't going nowhere. Yeah. We know what it is if it does hit. And if it doesn't, they're going to have to trade that dude. And we're not giving them quite what they thought they that that they uh, thought that we would. Crypto says, we really don't have that much cap space left after re-signing Ant and Nurk. can only use one of our trade exceptions, one draft pick. Here's the thing. The order of operations matters. And I've said this over and over and over again. The Blazers have enough cap space to make two, two big transactions and then re-signing Ant and Nurk because you have RFA rights and you have bird rights. Mm -hmm. So you can go over the cap. As much as I have belabored ownership, from what I have been told, Jody and the ownership group are okay with spending money into the luxury tax going into this next year. I'm 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 gonna hold I'm not gonna hold my breath on that, and that's not a shot at you. That's more a yep. shot at like I feel like I have heard that every single season that this they, team will they, spend. They spend, did spend. pay though. They did pay previous they, to last year. Yeah, I know, but I heard that at the beginning of this year that this ownership group would well, pay the luxury. And, well, we knew New was full of shit when they said that to start <laughs> the season because there was no way they were gonna do that with that. I, I know, I know. But I do buy that they are willing to spend on this franchise because I, I, I went on with AJ and Dusty earlier uh, yesterday. And the thing that I said is post COVID, what are, what are NBA owners wanting right now? Butts and seats. Yeah. They want, they want to make the money back. How do you do that? You spend the money, yeah. you spend the money and you make the money. That's how you do it. And I think that's something that's going to happen. I think they're going to invest in the team. And I think they're going to be, be looking that way for the next three years. And I, I don't, I don't buy into or any of the stuff about they're stripping it down so they can sell it because it just doesn't matter. It it does that the 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 assets on the roster don't matter for the team sale. That's not a that's not a thing that really you you worry about all that much in the grand scheme of billions of dollars. Um, Spencer says nobody that I've seen is saying that we should have had an all star player. Just better protections on the pick. Oh, I've seen what? at least seven people that yeah. tweeted or text into my radio show telling me that. And I'm just like, well, I'm baffled. I'm like, what? Uh, what? Excuse me? The the protections were the protections. There's there's not a whole lot further you could go because the and here's the other thing about this. Joe Cronin got creative to get that pick because that pick was lottery protected for the Hornets. Mm -hmm. So Joe was like, this is the way that I can get that pick this year is if it fits in this window. And the likelihood of it fitting in that window is really good. Mm -hmm. Up until the final minutes of that game against the Clippers, it was still looking really good to convey. 
It would have conveyed if Paul George doesn't get COVID. I'm sorry. It, it would just, have conveyed if Luke Kennard isn't out. Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, anybody coming. <laughs> they off just the they bench, had no legs. They, they were no bench. done. Reggie Jackson was it, Reggie and, and Nick front were rim cooked. And everything. They, front rim they, and everything. Norm front rim to free throw. They were all cooked. Yeah, they were all cooked. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I've seen a lot of that too. Of like, uh, well, he's a lousy negotiator because yeah, he got the draft pick in there, but how do you not get better protections and? To get a pick this year, that was it. You well, weren't I, you were not going yeah. to get an unprotected lottery pick. The element of well, Sprague, you're stupid for trusting an interim dude that you don't know much about. While that might be a fair thing to <laughs> say, what I would also respond with is, were you in the room and on the phone call? Because I'd imagine if Joe Cronin could have got a better deal, he would have taken the better deal. Why else would you? Ta- why would you tank? and bypass better deals. That doesn't make any sense to me. And that's the thing is, that's the frustration. I am not telling people to not be mad about losing that pick. Go back and, and read the, my timeline that night. I said something along the lines of pain. So much pain. Yeah. Because it does hurt. It does suck. It does set them back. Let me be clear. I am not saying that everything is sunshine, roses, and rainbows. What I said then and what I will say now is this it hurts but they are not they, they, again i'll use the baseball analogy it is not bottom of the ninth you know they they, they they two strikes they swung and they're out they're like seventh inning down by one down by two okay like it's it's time to sing take me out to the ball game yeah like it's it's getting close here's the thing if Vic goes sideways at the lottery that's when it's a problem Sure. Yeah. If that pick falls and you're like eighth, you're ninth, you're like, oh, shit. Then you're sitting there chewing the nails down to the blood. You better trade the pick. In which, thank you. That's a that's a hell of a transition, sir. Do I think the Portland Trailblazers will trade their own lottery pick for Jeremy Grant? No. Let me go ahead and squash that now. No. 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 <laughs> You better not trade that pick for Jeremy Grant is what I would say. Yes. That's an awful decision. It's okay. You, again, you hope that pick lands top four. Mm-hmm. You hope. That's what that's what you hope. And here's what you hope. You hope it lands top four, and you hope they draft the right guy, and they get a, a, a very playable young player day one. I'm not talking about star day one because rookie stars don't happen. Evan mm-hmm. Mobley was one of the best rookies I've seen on both sides of the floor in 15 years. Yep. And he was not a star. Very good. Very good. Not a star. Luka Doncic was a star his rookie year. And he made a truckload of mistakes. Yes. Yes, he did. They don't come across all that often. But... If you can get an impact player making controlled six million, seven million, eight million dollars a year, that is massive. Mm-hmm. That is a massive win. Here's what you hope for: you hope that happens, and then you take everything else, and you hope a team goes sideways, and that they want to reset and get off a deal. Whether that's Jeremy Grant, whether that's Jonathan Isaac. Or whether somewhere in Toronto, as somebody has noticed already in the background, Mr. OG Ananobi, sitting back there, is the one who gets squeezed out in Toronto at $17 million a year. 
A six, a six, seven, 20, uh, 24 year old. I'll take that all day. Who's a complete wrecking ball and probably one of the <laughs> five to seven guys in the NBA that Chauncey Billups was talking about as a defender. Uh, shoots 36% from three. Yeah, it sounds really tasty to me. Has, has Some people, I am not, I, before this gets clipped or anything stupid along those lines, I am not saying this, but has compared him onto a same kind of proje- uh, trajectory as Kawhi Leonard. Where it was like, this just guy just keeps adding shit to his game. He's getting better and better and better. And it's like, a guy that couldn't dribble can dribble now. The guy that couldn't shoot can shoot now. A guy that you know couldn't pass can pass now. And it's like, yeah, this, dude, this dude's doing a lot. Those are the things, and, and Evan James says, Rudy, Rudy G., what happens in Utah? Like, does Utah is like just fire sale stuff? And they're like, we need to get off some some money. And you know, Bojan Bogdanovic is sent into a TP. Again, I'm not a, a Bojan guy, but again, like whatever your whatever I, I, your, I, I would take him all day. But again, whatever your flavor is, right? Yes. So, it's it's a, it's a, it's there's still so much that can happen. And I've talked to a few people, and they've said, you know, what along the lines of. Um, what would you give up? Like, Mike, what, what do you want for OG Ananobi? Like the Bucks first round pick? Yeah. Keon? Yeah. Any of the kids? Yeah. Like, would you, would you give a top five pick? Five is the cutoff. Let's say, so let's the Blazers can't, t- they, 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 the picks, the pick can't fall at five. It could fall one through four or six through nine. Okay. Let's say it falls at six. Would I give that pick for OG Ananobi? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? So Why? Because he's an absolute stud and he's 24 years old. He also fits fits the prototype that the previous dude failed to really address. And the, the one player dude, they could not get, and the current dude has made it abundantly clear in multiple interviews. His aim is to do what, Danny? It's to go get six, seven, six, eight athletic wings that can play multiple positions and defend multiple positions. I, Be I said switchable. This, I said this today, and and I I don't mean in terms of um, it's going to happen next year. I think you're, you're pie in the sky if you're looking from the optimistic viewpoint because I had Justin Termini on today and he mm-hmm. gave me the not-so-pie-in-the-sky uh, look of things. No way, uh, Justin did that? Shocking. Well, he's a big damn guy, but yeah, he doesn't really... <laughs> he basically said he doesn't see it with this team. He's not sure about if Anthony Simons will continue to be as good as he is. And I asked him, best-case scenario, who in the playoffs is Portland going to be next year? And he basically said, well, none. And then he goes, well... At best, Denver. You've got one great player, and you got a bunch of role guys who don't do much, and I thought, that's deflating. I chose to go a different direction. With Joe Cronin's actual viewpoint shared in some interviews, I know the makeup's a little different. I think he is aiming for a Dallas, a Toronto. A lot of really good role guys. Higher-end role guys. Higher-end role guys who are athletic, switchable, don't get as much love as the star guy gets. Like Jalen Brunson going for a 40 piece. Right. Or, you know, hell, I would even, like Finney Smith, like nobody talks about that, dude. It, He's a good player. There's not a team in the league that wouldn't doesn't want Dorian Finney-Smith on their roster. Right. And I think an OG could fit some of the void there. He's right? the for, super high end of that. So I think that's kind of just with what you're saying. I don't know if it'll happen, but like just with what you're saying, it fits every criteria of what a Joe Cronin is looking to do, I think, with this roster. Yeah, and here's the thing. I don't think it's not necessarily like a Toronto or Dallas thing. I think you're right in, in, in a sense. But I think that's the NBA at, 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 in, entirely right now. The You and I have talked about this a ton over, over the last couple of years. The whole idea of like what the Warriors, the warriorfication of the KD, Clay, Dre, Steph team did to the NBA. Like that was the only way to win. No, that was the only way to win in that four-year period. 
It's to have two really good players and then a, a really good roster. The Suns right. are a perfect example of that. And they're because Chris Paul's aging out, they're going to have to make some decisions here very quickly. The Memphis Grizzlies have a ton of really good players. After Jaw, who is the second best player on that team? I think they want it to be Jaron Jackson Jr., but I think right now, isn't it? Is it Bain? I don't know. I, I would know I would go Jared it. because of his defensive versatility. Like he's, I would too. But he sometimes he has some real letdown games. He the fouls and his shooting yeah. inefficiency should come back to bite him. But yes. I would say because he's seven foot tall and his size, he is the guy. But Bain's right there. Brooks mm-hmm. is right there. They they've got a ton of role players. You know they get something out of uh uh, uh what is Clark? The name? Uh, well obviously Clark. But I was going to say uh uh the kid from Gonzaga. Um oh uh um. Well, Clark is Gonzaga. No, 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 no. I know that, but uh, Tilly. You know, oh, they, they, yeah, yeah. Like, Tilly. all of a sudden, he's doing something. Uh, Zaire Williams is doing stuff. Right. Like, uh, slow-mo does stuff. Like, Steven Adams, everyone's like, oh, he's washed. Like, no, he's not. He's actually pretty solid. Like, it's just, yeah. it, like, another, another, another. And, but it's not four, three Hall of Famers. It's mm-hmm. a it's one Hall of Famer in Jaw, and then a bunch of really good dudes. And I think that's just the, you look around the league, and that's just the way it happens now. And it, it, we, there, this talent has been so spread out over the last four or five years that you're getting more of that. Like it's uh, sure you can still point to super teams, but you can also point to super teams that have blown up. You well, can, but you can see, look, at, super, look at the Sixers, look at the Lakers. Yeah, look, I mean the Nets are kind of, but not quite. Uh, well, uh, one, it like I think it's interesting the super team thing. Not that super teams are going to cease to exist. I I just find this playoff is an interesting combination of organically built mm-hmm. and super teams. Yeah, and, and that line, by the way, can be kind of skewed. Like some people don't view the Milwaukee Bucks as a super team, and I totally get it. You, Middleton and Holiday, maybe don't put that fear in you the way other superstar players do when they join mm-hmm. a guy like Giannis. But you could say it's a super team. You could say it's not. But either way, like. It's a big combination right now. And I, I think the idea that you're ever going to have a super team, like until you get lucky in the draft with guys staying healthy, Roy Aldridge Oden, that's just not in your cards. You have to make teams. You have to construct it this way in this city. This is just what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I would say, too, is the, the patience. You know, I, I jokingly said this the last, I don't know, what would you say, 20 games where I said Portland's not built for this. This fan base, this city, they're not built for this. They're not built for this bad basketball. Like we saw this, right? Like it, yeah. to me, it wasn't just they they were getting in trouble. It was the team sucked, and the fans more than anything, the, the team being product. a dumpster fire was like, yeah, no, they suck a lot, and the, everything right. else that's going on around this is not great. And they came back when we got some young, promising talent, and it showed us the right way. This city does not jive with a hey, we're going to be awful on purpose mentality it's not built no. for that and we saw people saying things like what well, are they at least going to try in one of these games like you don't want them to try in <laughs> one of these games so what i would say is there needs to be more patience like the other part of this too is like that pick lo- losing that pick sucked i'm not l- refuting that but it's like the idea that you were going to take this ginormous step by next year i think is a little bit of a fool's gold. I think they can be a playoff team. I don't know what that's saying if much, but this is a two to three year situation. If Dame's hanging around, we're talking about what they are with a 35 year old Damian Lillard. If we're talking about them being maybe at some point in contention in the Western conference. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I think that the team building behind this is that, I have to go back to that point, but like August. And even then, and they're not going to be done then, Brandon. No. We, we talked about this when Neil Olshay got fired. Before they traded CJ, before they traded Covington, that this process of stripping this down and building this back up was not going to be something that you were not going to undo five years of mismanagement mm-hmm. in one off season. And that's not to, well, Joe's my favorite. No, nobody. It doesn't matter if you're if you're Maasai. You are not unfucking this roster in one off season. That's not happening. I mean, Masai had to do it in Toronto. And it took multiple years. And he got it right back to where, yeah, they're not going to be Philadelphia, but damn, do you don't you envy that roster? They're young, they're they're, athletic, they're, they're in fast. a good like, position. But here's yeah. the thing. They're still as good as and all the good vibes that come out of Toronto. I've heard from more than a few people that somebody's probably going to be the odd man out. But it's natural. It has to happen that way. Not everybody's going to get that paycheck. And they still need a big. As fun as as fun as they are, and all that 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 regular season stuff is. Mm -hmm. I am not a playoffs or bust guy, title or nothing. I, I value the regular season, but you have to have a roster that competes. Right. And they don't have a big. In the regular season, 82 games, you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. 16 games, you can't. You can't. Not in today's NBA. You can't. It gets too slow. It gets too physical. It gets too big. I'm going to derail this real quick because I have to ask you because I think you've been. Uh, Disneyland or Disney World, which is better? I've never been to Disney World. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm going to say land every time. Plus, I just rather, I'd rather go to L.A. See? See? It's perfect. Plus, you got California Adventure right across the street. I know Disney World's massive, and it's got the Epcot Center and all that stuff. Never been. Maybe it's awesome. It's cool. It's it's, it's really good. It's not even just cool. It's good. Disneyland is the OG. It is. It's, yeah, there's there's an element of when you walk in there, you go, everything damn. was created here. Like, yeah. this dude started it all right here. And I, br- I bring this up. Where the hell did that question come from? Anthony's arguing with me on Twitter right now. You're, you're arguing about Disneyland and Disney World with Anthony Simons while we're doing a podcast. Uh, he was, uh, Bree had asked which is better, Disneyland or can, World earlier, and I, I said you, land by a lot. Can you tell him then, can you say Disneyland and please take a $20.5 million a year salary? That would do us a lot of favors. We love you. Thank you. Have fun. Listen, I I, I, still, I'm not, I think Ant's going to get it right around there. So No, I, I look, if he gets a little more, I think that's fine. And I... I, I think if you were somebody that was on the side that we're telling you not to be on or the side that we're saying we're not on, I think you listen to this podcast, you think, oh, those are absolute honks who just think everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And I just want to be different from the truth than humanly possible. Well, somebody told me my world is ending takes uh, rubbed them the wrong Which way. Which was wild because you only thing you ever said was like, I'm checked out on this season, which I think. So was you know. Joe Cronin, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't view, I don't see the doom and gloom yet. I see some missed opportunity. I see being forced into some bad situations in bad hands. Um, I'm frustrated with the organization because they will not rip either the interim tag off or just go make a damn hire. I, I think that's incredibly frustrating. I made that known the day this dude got that gig. And they said, interim general manager. I said, are we all cool with a guy who may or may not be here 
being in charge of maybe the most important time in this franchise's history. I made that point four different times on four different podcasts. I know where I stand, but I also know they're getting a healthy Damian Lillard back. And I know what that means. That means it's a 25 or more per uh, point per game dude who's going to give you probably seven assists paired with a 22-year-old 20-point-per-game scoring threat, and you'll have some more athletic versatility. That's what I know. And They're a that, playoff team. Like you're if, a playoff team next year. You the, should be. Barring injury, you are a playoff team. And uh, did you see that, that video I retweeted earlier? The bar, uh, no. the bar graph? Oh, so, yeah, I did, about what they've been since, like, 2003, the yeah. win increases. The, the playoff wins. Yeah. And I didn't do that necessarily to entirely dunk on Neil, although that came along with it because, yeah, that's what happens. But this whole idea of this, I, I get so tired of, of somebody framing success as the playoffs. Oh, it's it's such a cop-out, lazy argument. It's half, half the, the league, league makes the playoffs. Like, I thought... I did see the end of your tweet, and I think it's valid to say, like, congratulations, you weren't the Sacramento Kings. And I said somebody say, like, you act like we didn't have fun. No, I, I know there was some great moments in there, some great moments. Yes. But you also didn't come close. You're in the bottom third. You were in the sniffing. bottom third of successful yeah. franchises over the last 20 years. My thing is, you know, there's this, like, defense of – well, I'm not doing it to dunk on Neil. I will. <laughs> I will. Like, he got Damian Lillard handed to him. And what did Which he do Which is a playoff. Damian Lillard is a playoff appearance waiting to happen. Yes, it's why it's bothered me that CJ's getting all this playoff streak credit right now. I'm like, oh, oh, we're doing that? Yeah, yeah that's been We're going to do that? Like, this is where I will. It's not to say Joe is better than Neil. We don't know that. I don't know that. What I do know is Joe was willing to do the one thing Neil straight up wouldn't. And how do I know that? Because CJ told Jason Quick the night Neil got fired, I'm probably done here. Even he knew that Neil O'Shea being the general manager meant he was never being traded from here. And Danny, please point me. Oh, in the he direction. had a, Are you kidding me? He had a safety net around him. He knew that as long as Neil was in charge, he was never going anywhere. Ever. Please, please point me in the direction of a general manager that gets a decade in a city without ever having like real contention. Please point me to that guy. Nowhere. Okay. So that dude got to coast on a job that probably should have lost after the loss to the Pelicans, and yet they didn't. And here we are. We're eating the crap sandwich that was handed to Joe Cronin. And again, that's the kind of thing as well undone. I want to answer some of these questions that we got in here. This is from Keely at Lothgren 360s. Cam Johnson, a more realistic trade this offseason now that we lost the Pelicans pick. Mm. Cam Johnson is a guy I have heard his name thrown around more than a a few times around, oh, yeah, around baby. the Blazers. Give me Cam Johnson all effing day. Cam Johnson is, I th from what I have heard, the Suns are now more likely to re-sign Aiden. And I, I would hope that they would be. <laughs> there will be there will be a squeeze there because Chris yeah. Paul's making what forty million dollars. Booker's on his max, and Aiden will be on his max. And Bridges just got signed this and, summer. And, and Bridges yeah. got a five ninety, which yep. by God. Shout Five. out! Shout out to the ownership group in Phoenix for screwing Mikhail Bridges out of money because Let's, Jesus. Let, well, hold on. First of all, he accepted the contract, so maybe yeah, he I think he's just the kind of. Way. I think he's just the kind of guy who's like that's life changing money, man. I don't exactly, and that's stuff. how I would view things too. Let me just say though, 
Can we comp for a minute, given we watched two Clipper games, the difference between a 590 and a 590? <laughs> yeah. yeah which Norm one's, Powell. Yeah, Norm Powell at 590 or Mikhail Bridges at 590. Oh. Which, one, which one's better, folks? The it's le- not even. The comp. guy who probably, not, I mean, probably, the guy who should have been Defensive Player of the Year if you're going to go for a non big. But I got to say this real quick Marcus Smart getting Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus Smart's a very good defender. He's not the best defender on his own fucking team. Well, it's a lifetime achievement award. It's first I, of all. Still, I just I know irritated hey, the shit out of me. I thought Bridges was a better defender than he was. Yes, he he. If you're gonna go non non big, it, it's Bridges. Yeah, and by a, then, a substantial margin. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't have Smart in my top five. Vegas didn't have Smart in his top five until Robert Williams got hurt. You know that he yeah. was plus four thousand before yes. Time Lord got hurt. Yeah, it, the the Celtics did a PR campaign push and got it. That's what happened. Yep. The Boston PR machine. Uh, shout out ESPN being in Connecticut. <laughs> I, I, it, otherwise, it, it, explain this to me. Because everybody I've talked to who has half of a brain is like, smart? Okay, sure. Well, that's what I want to know is I want to see the votes because I've heard a lot of NBA guys. A lot. People with votes. And they're like, what? So yeah, like, I, I want to see that because, like, because he got a lot of first place votes. So I want to see... Who voted in first place? Yeah. I, I definitely well, want to see that. But I got we to got this, for a second. No, that's fine. I We just got this tweet from Larry. Um, I know we're doing kind of some, some question stuff. Yeah. And Larry says, it seems fair to at least question why Cronin wouldn't negotiate for the better of the Pels Lakers, even if both were top four protected, after getting so little for NP and Rocco, not getting the pick hurts even more uh, as a fan. Again, they didn't want to take back salary. So you're not, and if you're going to find a team who has the willingness to take on Rocco's salary and Norm's salary and not send you a bunch back, who does, who's on that list? How many competitive teams out there have the ability to do that? Mm -hmm. The list got very small, very quickly. And the Clippers, how many draft picks do they have? After trading Paul George? None. They traded like seven first-round draft picks for that dude. So they did what they, they could. They scraped together, and they basically yeah. called Keon Johnson a first-round pick. The MP Rocco thing, um, I'm not going to act like I'm some super insider or anything, so you know, take this for what it's worth. I, I've seen no indication that you were going to get some massive haul for either of those players. That Norm Powell contract, I don't think it's a, an albatross, but I don't think teams view it very friendly. Yeah. I for 90. And Rocco is a little past his... Teams wanted a pick attached to Covington going out. So I I just think the tough part with that is, I think this kind of goes to our larger point uh, to to answer Larry's question. The the negotiating of protections for picks between the Lakers and Pell's pick, I can't get into that because Joe hasn't talked about it. But what I will say on the Norm Powell-Roco-CJ part is at the end of the day, why it didn't drive me nuts on Friday, I was like, damn it, that sucks. You saw me. I was pissed when that game ended. why it didn't completely wreck me is because I knew at the end of the day we were dealing negative assets. And I knew this because Kevin Pelton, who is so much smarter about the game of basketball than I ever will be, told me after CJ got traded, he was surprised that they got what they got because CJ has negative trade value. So that's why I didn't like choose to go completely nuclear the minute they lost that pick. So, and I think... You started the show off by framing this whole idea of like what 
we were told over years. And I think because people have been sold and told so much, it's almost like a Pavlovian effect of the Blazers are f- franchise pillars and he's actually the best backcourt and it's actually C.J. McCollum is this. And it, and so people expect this gargantuan return, which it was at the same time served Neil O'Shea's purpose of not trading C.J. McCollum because if he didn't get a monster haul back after setting the bar up here, then, I mean, I couldn't justify trading him. Did you see what they offered? Yeah, because everybody else knew what C.J. McCollum was. Mm-hmm. And that's why you end up that's why you end up where you are in the returns. If you're frustrated that they didn't get the perfect return, fine. Well, that, that, that's neither here nor there. It's crypto so you, so you can't say we want one of your first round picks no matter what in the CJ trade. I don't think that anybody was valuing where the Lakers pick was going to be. That's the issue. But I think what people are saying, Danny, is why didn't you have the why didn't you have the wherewithal to evaluate that further? We I don't know if they we don't know if they did, and they just said no. I, we I think that's the tough part is we don't know that. Like very well could have not brought it up whatsoever, and we go, whoa, Joe, not even thinking about it. Or he was like, hey, what about that Laker? Like, like can we bring that into this deal in some way? And they said, you want to stake thirty six million dollars a year for CJ McCollum and add that? Like, no. Yeah, and that's, I think, what ultimately where it came down to. Meth Band says, was that Drew Holiday for CJ offer about three years ago legit? Yes, but it was CJ McCollum and three first-round picks for Drew Holiday. Which is what Milwaukee paid, and Milwaukee would tell you it was worth it because they just won a title. So. Yes, uh, but they also had Middleton, who... Oh, and I know. I'm not saying they would have won a title with <laughs> you know, I know. I'm just game. I'm yeah. just... Uh, yeah. It's, 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 but if you're talking about, like, value, they basically treated CJ McCollum... Was, who, was, who was traded? Was it Bledsoe that was traded in that deal? Uh, Bledsoe. Bledsoe was traded to New Orleans in that deal. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So, yeah. Yeah, because so, he was the point guard. So, the basically, they valued CJ McCollum yeah. as Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> so, if you want to have an understanding of where <laughs> CJ McCollum was viewed around the league, there you go. <laughs> That's why you didn't get more back. Yeah. So... Back to the Cam Johnson thing. Is Cam Johnson a viable guy? Yes, because I believe Phoenix is probably going to have to move off of both him and Crowder. They're just not going to have the money to keep either of those guys. And Cam's going to get paid. And Portland has the ability to pay somebody. And they could take Cam off their hands for a young asset. And then they can pay him. And Cam's a guy I, I would love to have on this team. Uh, at Mean Dean Okerland, at, or excuse me, Mean Dean Okerland, at DeBrazen. That is a great handle. You like that? Mean Dean Oakland, I love mm-hmm. that. What free agents the Blazers most realistically have a shot at this summer? The guys that I'm honing in on, I'll, I'll break it down as we get closer and closer, and I know where the draft picks are sitting at. The guys that I have, that I am looking at right now is on the restricted side is Mo Bamba. I think that's a big that they're going to target. But I think one of the wings that they're definitely going to have to take a look at is uh, T.J. Warren. The other one's Kyle Anderson. Slow-mo. A little slow-mo action. You know, slow-mo uh... – worst version of Nick Batum. I'm not upset by it. Listen, if you get him for half an MLE, it's not a bad yeah. deal. What is Nick's contract situation with the Clips, by the way? Is he's, it a one? It's He's he's he's, un, he's unrestricted this offseason. Listen, Nick's on the radar. Would you be... I wouldn't be mad at the return. I wouldn't... I would not... Listen. He's like, what, 33? Isn't he only 33, uh, uh, Here's the thing. Nick and Dame are very tight. Nick is one of Dame's favorite teammates of all time. 
I might cry when he comes back and he comes out of that tunnel and Mark Mason says his name. Listen, uh, Eric, who won the autographed Nick Batum jersey, is going to all of a sudden have a, a, a very nice <laughs> uh, number 88 back on the wall again for an active Nick Batum in Portland next year. Um, but the the idea of, of Nick Batum coming back to Portland, I know they made an offer last year, but well, I, I also know that the former uh, operator of this franchise was not a fan of Nick. Well, so, that's that's fine. He was wrong. Um, I thought yeah. it was funny. I, I, I It might have been Kev. Somebody tweeted, I think, during the game. They're like, the Blazers, or maybe it was you. I can't remember who tweeted, but somebody said something to the effect of, like, since the Blazers got rid of Nick Batum, they've been looking for Nick Batum. Yes. <laughs> I just... I know he had some bad years in Charlotte. Uh, he was banged up and mentally he was not in a great place. But... No, no. But um, and you you wish him well because he got that contract. But like now yeah. he's he's a very he is like the the new uh, Rudy Gay. Where like he just hops around from team to team to team like it just he just fits. Thad Young, I think, is another one of those guys like they're yeah. just vets that fit. They make sense. Um, ben says, is he a power forward? Yes. Nick is pretty much a four even a small ball five, because it's not Nick Batum anymore. It's thick Batum. Nick Nick is not the, the little tiny wispy French rail that he once was. <laughs> he is he is bulky. He's about two forty five now, two fifty. He is not small by uh, he engulfed Brandon Ingram when he pat him in that coffin corner, and I was like, God, Nick really is because Nick was built like bi for years and now yeah. he's super skinny bigger I, I remember when he was in portland like we used to talk about how like can you can you lift some weights can you please lift yeah. some weights and get bigger here because he just looks so thin yeah. uh joey says jeff green jeff green is perfect uh another yeah. another guy that that makes a ton of sense for a guy that that floats around a bunch um but yeah, the, the the opportunities for for free agents as far as like guys that can make an impact off the bench the, if things go the way the Blazers hope, which this is a guarantee, their starting lineup will be Dame, Ant, Nurk, and two players they add here in the offseason. Neither Hart nor Nasir Little will start next year if things go their way. And that's not a shot at either of those guys. I just think they want to utilize those guys as bench players. They want those guys to be impactful off the bench because that's that's that 82-game roster we're, you're, we're much more impactful, and it makes it easier throughout the regular season if those guys are coming off your bench and not starting. That The depth of your roster is lifted up, and it's actual depth and not Neil Olshay depth. I think you missed one. You said Dame, you said Ant, you said Nurk, and then Paolo Banquero. You forgot one. Oh, my, my, my mistake. If they land number one, is that who you want over Jabari? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to... Because I saw two, no, I saw three Jabari games this year, admittedly, mm. and I saw about four Palos. Mm. And me and you talked about Palo at one point. And I was kind of with you, like he wasn't. I didn't see the dog, and I saw mm. some dog. I saw some dog at the end of the year, and I liked that. And he's six ten. He can handle the rock. He can play make. He can get his own shot. It's not the most efficient, but he might fit in perfectly what they're doing. Whereas Jabari's more polished. I think he's ready to go. But I've heard other draft pundits raise an interesting issue. Is he going to be used to not being a one? Like at Auburn, he was the guy, even though he had crappy guard play. Is he going to be able to go to a situation where he has to take a back seat a little bit? 
And how does that fit for him? So I think it's down to those two guys. I think Jabari is, is more suited for that early in his career where I think Paolo's going to want to go to a dumpster fire team and get as many sure. shots up and as go he get can. Some, yeah, go get some buckets. Go get some mellow shots up in early Denver, you know. Yeah. Um, but, again, I, again, I, I think that's kind of where it sits at as far as, like, free agents. I'll get more and more into this because the free agent stuff is going to change. It's going to be fluid depending on where the pick lands because if the pick lands top three, you're going to be looking at bigs and wings. You're not because if the pick lands top three, they're taking a four. Now, unequivocally, they are taking a four. That is yep. happening. Yep. But if the pick lands, you know, six, seven, eight, do they go for a wing or do they go for a Keegan Murray or do they trade it? And then all of a sudden, if you're trading it, does it, you know, if you're then you're trading it for OG Ananobi and now you're looking for a four in free agency as a starter, which like trying to find a starting four in free agency is a little bit more difficult than trying to find a bench four in free agency. Do you slot OG as a four and then maybe try to find like all that stuff? Like I have a list of guys that I start with and then I hone it down as stuff starts to make more sense and, you know, more conversations are had. Um, well, I, I think that you're just highlighting like how truly difficult and unpredictable the summer could be for Joe or whoever ends up. If it's not Joe, then whoever the hell they hire, whatever it is, whoever it is. I think what you're just mapping out, though, is is what we've kind of talked about. Is like there are so many avenues still, and yes, the pick sucks. To it's lose, a big but... lasso. Like you're just trying to bring yes. it all together. And right now, man, those those cats are all over the place. It, you, you're herding cats right now, and it's not easy to pull them all in at once. And I think that's the difficult part of this. Joey says, "I'm not giving up our pick. Listen, if OG Ananobi's on the on the table for that pick, I'm going to pry it out of your cold dead hands." I okay. think I think you have to do it. He's yeah. 24 years old. We and he's know 17 he is. million dollars. Like, and he's 17 million. He's six seven. He can guard three positions. I I I will take OG on a newbie for the seventh or overall pick. Yeah, six or higher. Send it out. Send yep. it. I'll, I'll send the paperwork to the league myself. Like it's just. <laughs> I'm sure Joe would love for you to. do I'll that. hand carry it to, to. I almost said David Stern. God, I'm old. Well, uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, this is from I am Haoli uh, at BRG underscore Maui. Would Jeremy Grant be worth a Milwaukee pick? One of our first Keon Johnson and maybe Brandon Williams. Yes. Well, not, yes. The, not, not the additional first, but the Milwaukee first Keon and, and other filler. Yes. And there you go. We yep. haven't talked about this yet. What if Jeremy Grant in his final year being represented by clutch is like, we're not resigning anywhere, but Portland. Cause I want to play with Dan. It gives you some leverage. Does a first round pick a young asset and Keon Johnson and maybe one of the other kids? Does that make sense for Detroit? Oh, I I, I think I think Detroit's in a position there. If that happens, Detroit's is like okay, like we're in a full rebuild here. We got guys on rookie they, scale contracts. They want more for Jeremy Grant, but sure. If Grant's like, I'm gonna go ahead and twist the arm a little bit. And here's the thing. Uh, this said, is where this is where Dame needs to be texting. Like exactly. this is where the recruiting needs to be playing dividends for you, whether it's the coach yep. or whether it's the star player. Those two guys need to be they need to be in the lab right now texting certain people. If they if that if they want that to happen, text them. Talk about this. Here's the thing, man. If you're an organization who for uh, almost a decade sat there and talked about how it doesn't matter because I can't get somebody to this city because this city sucks and it's incumbent upon me and my brilliance to be able to bring players here to really round out this roster. Mm -hmm. Do you think players really want to come here? Probably not. But if you've got a coach and a GM who are like, 
hey, man, we think you can do something here. And I think you like we understand how it all comes together. And really, in, uh, we got somebody from Twitch, Burring Wombat says, Haha, sounds illegal, but I love it. Yes, tamper. Well, doing it's not illegal. It, no, I don't care. <laughs> I want the I want Chauncey and Cronin to do it too because everybody tampers. Do you think no. DeMar DeRozan's sign and trade deal to the Lakers was consummated and then canceled in a 24 hour period? No. According to Magic Johnson, it was a done deal. <laughs> yes, which is crazy. How is it a done deal before free agency opens? It's a sign and trade that requires two organizations to agree. It's why the NBA had to investigate Chicago. They got to deal with Lonzo Ball within five seconds of the free agency period opening up. And everybody's like, wait, we're really going to act like they negotiated and got that done in five seconds? And the, the NBA Blazers like, lose it. a second round pick because they tamper. Good. Yeah, I don't give a Good. shit. Good. It means you're trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Seriously, it, tamper away. Here's Wearing the difference. Wearing all buzzer. I don't give a yes. damn what you need Here's to do, man. Here's the thing, man. You went from a GM that nobody liked to a, yeah. and I mean that genuinely, he was not liked around the league. No, no, he Nobody wasn't. liked the guy. Nobody wanted to deal with him. He dealt basically with the same three teams over and over and over again. Now you've got a head coach and you've got a GM that are well-liked. And if I've seen a bunch of people say, well, it's amazing. They'd like Joe Cronin because he's well-liked. No shit. You know why? Because it matters. Being likable matters in those discussions. Why do you think crap coaches keep getting jobs? Because they're well-liked. And well-respected. Why do you think the Lakers rumors are out there about Mark Jackson being their next coach? Because LeBron likes him. Mm-hmm. And he likes Savannah. <laughs> what did we hear all season He's made too long? many comments, man. Yeah, He's I mean, made too he many has. comments on those yes. podcasts. Like, bro, we get it. A little she's, too thirsty, bud. Calm she's, down. She's, she's beautiful. We get it, okay? The first three times told us that. How many times were we told by Casey, by Quick, by Brooke, by Lamar, by Casey this year about Chauncey Billups being late to a meeting because players from other teams wanted to talk to Chauncey? Every time, Jason said it on a radio station, he said every single building Chauncey went to, there were at least two guys always dapping him up to say hi because it's Chauncey Billups. And Chauncey, Chauncey alluded to this. Chauncey said... I'm I'm a valuable asset like this is the part and I think it's a very valid point not to say that it's going to lead to X and Y coming to Portland. We've no, but it opens a door. It gets you the meeting. Cha- Chauncey is something the franchise has never had. Never, never in their history have they had former player with the amount of respect as Chauncey. Nate was great. Nate was a respected dude, but Nate, even when he got that gig, was a little old school at that point. He, yes, no, it, he, it wasn't until two years ago that he changed in Atlanta. The Sarge mentality right. was still very much there. These players in this league were yep. five, six, seven years old when Chauncey Billups played basketball. Like, they watched this dude play. Yes. So, you know, that matters. It's different for Portland. And that is the one thing when they made this hire – I didn't know what the hell he was going to do coaching wise, and I was like, eh, he's I, st- I still, I still don't know. To be honest with you, I still don't this know. year was kind of a pass. But the one thing that we said over and over again is he knows players. Yep. I, 
talking to everybody before he was hired, when it was all back and forth. DSJ uh, says Terry. Terry was well-liked. Terry's yeah. also 70 years old. Well, also not Chauncey Billups. Yeah. Like, like, he was a European listen, player. <laughs> not just that. I mean, have you ever seen the picture of Terry back in the day? Chest Dude. hair out, mustache, gold oh, chain. just a fox. Just feathered. I mean, glorious. Just, yes. just truly just beautiful stuff. Loved it. Chauncey Billups is an NBA champion and fringe Hall of Famer. Finals MVP. Like, it's kind of funny. If you stack his numbers, Terry Porter's numbers, and Kyle Lowry's numbers on, uh, up against each other and you take the names off, you can't tell me which one's which. Oh, I, they're, I, they're think Chauncey's exactly... gonna, I think Chauncey's going to get in the Hall of Fame. But it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, those three guys are the same player. They have, like, sure. different little quirks here or there. But For it kind sure. of makes me think about, like, how TP has kind of been disrespected. It's kind of wild. I think a yeah. little, little bit of a sideways tilt. But, like, this stuff matters. Like, as much as the CBA and, and having all these picks and all that stuff, like, it, that stuff matters. Relationships are king. The Bulls went from a team that couldn't land anybody in one of the biggest media markets in the country in a kick-ass city mm -hmm. that, that NBA stars are from to, in one season, landing guys. What happened? Oh, they got a coach that isn't Jim Boylan. Mm -hmm. they, got a, they got a GM and a president that isn't Garpax. And they brought in Mark Eversley, who is a player relations guy at Nike yep. for decades. If that tells you anything, that right there, you've seen multiple teams now. Have hired Nico Harrison in Dallas. Have hired player relation dudes from Nike, from shoe companies, because they understand how vital the relationship is. And we know that if your coach isn't going to make you do 20 push-ups for missing a layup in practice, you're going to benefit from that too. Shout out Jim Boylan. Still one of the dumbest stories I've ever heard in my life. He made his team do push-ups. What the fuck are we doing? And Neil brought that guy in to help fix the defense. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I think it somehow got worse. It did. It did. They're like, no, blitz everything. But they don't have the personnel. I don't care. We need to spin it some way. I didn't make any monumental moves. Man, it's just TV says Terry was the coaching equivalent of a New Balance six hundred eight. Listen, nice to hey, have, comfy hey, as hell. Stop. Everybody respects the New Balance. Ter but... Terry's a monarch, okay? And Chauncey, oh, come on, he's not a monarch. He is the number one selling shoe in Nike. Yes, he okay, is. Okay, fine. That's Terry is a likable. Terry's a likable monarch who some people clown, but ultimately he's You're, comfortable. You end up in him every when you're 50 years old. You end up in him. That's just how what, it goes. What are you mowing the lawn in? Monarchs. What are you taking the walk around the neighborhood in? Monarchs. Like monarchs are very good shoes. Chauncey's Chauncey's just a Kyrie, and the Kyrie shoe is the one that's a little flashier, the one you want to play in a little bit more. Like there's that ability there for them to to. To utilize that in some way. Again, this could not mean anything, but it's better than not having it in your back pocket. Uh, Jaron Abelson says, at Jaron underscore Ab, do you think an option of best of 2022 Lakers New Orleans pick top five protection would have been a deal breaker? I suspect no, but obviously wasn't in the room when it happened. Good for you for admitting that. Griff was under pressure to make the playoffs. Don't think Cronin appropriately mitigated downside risk. That's a that's the most reasonable take I have seen on yep. this. 100%. So congratulations, Jared. Thank you for that. I, I, I completely agree, Jared. That's really good perspective right there. I 
knowing what I know about Joe Cronin from the people that I've talked to, I have a reeling suspicion that that was, that was broached. <laughs> this is not a guy who's just like, nah, you know, I'm not going to walk through this and see what happens. He wants the job. That's the thing. Why, it's like, why would he the, not try to help himself? Yes. Why would you not try to get the most in return? And that's where I think is kind of where it's at. Um, Joey, your question was in here. So I hear Jeremy Grant is as good as done. He wants to come here. Is going to force the issue here. Uh, I've heard, I've heard Milwaukee pick Keon Johnson a second round pick. Who are you hearing from, Joey? Uh, what's y'all's thought on getting Grant still? No matter where our pick lands, I'm not giving that up. He's, so you're consistent and you're not giving that pick up. But as far as the idea of like Jeremy Grant, like if the offseason turns into Jeremy Grant, OG Ananobi, you just had the most successful offseason in Trailblazers history, probably. Uh, I mean, I, I still think you need to say the Scotty year, right? Is it is 34 year old Scotty Pippen better than 24 year old? I mean, it got OG you like. You you were a West Finals team, and then you took a step to a quarter away from. Yeah, but I think the rest of that team was probably a little bit better to begin with, right? Well, here's the thing: I don't know if you could say it's the most until you see what the results are. I think it has to be a result. I would say the grade you would give it would be the best offseason grade. It'd be pretty damn high. It it's 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 a it's a pole position. Let's say that. I think if they were to in in like an ideal world, right? And obviously, you need some things to go your way for this. If you landed on a newbie and Grant, I I don't know if there's a human being outside of somebody purposely just being a contrarian that says you could call oh, that a bad summer. I'm not excited for what this team could be. And the only reason I I throw that out there is even like this smidgen of possibility because I don't think it's likely. Like before anybody thinks that like I think that's the way things are going to go. I don't. <laughs> it would take an awful lot for all those. I mean, you're talking about the, the the cosmic fuckery that took the picks away, completely yes. reversing and yes. going the other way for yeah, Portland. You you need to be Robert Downey, steal the the the, uh, the one in thirteen million time stone. That's what you need to have your back. You need here. Cronin to grab him from Thanos and be like, "And I'm Iron Man," and you need to snap your finger and be like, "Goodbye." But I mean, that's like that's where you're at as far as like. But here's, if you want me to, it's been a while. Let me put this on real quick. Oh, I lost mine in the move. I short out my headset. I lost mine in the move. Oh, I got to make a new one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm wearing mine forwards right now. But if I'm going full Illuminati here, or foil lami, foil, foil, foil nobby, I don't know. Um, anyways, clutch. Guess who OG's rep by? Clutch. Guess who Jeremy Grant's rep by? Clutch. Yusuf Nurkic? Clutch. Chauncey Billups? Clutch. What's Dame? Goodwin. Who? It's no. weird. What's Dame? Oh, he's supposed oh, to he's say clutch. clutch. Yes. Sorry. God damn it. Sorry. I thought you said who, who's Dame? No. Said, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I had the headset kind of sideways there. Um, but there also appears to be uh, the guys Dame is linking to kind of appears to be kind of a a Goodwin clutch alliance forming here, doesn't it? Do you know why? Because Dame understands relationships matter. <laughs> Illuminati. Thank you, Sithafong. I, I, I had it in my head. It just was not coming out. Illuminati. Thank you. God. I was just like, I'm like, why is this not coming out? Because in my brain, it made sense. And I was just, just pooping all over it. Um, 
for sure at force underscore short is pick three to six provided Jabari and Palo are gone plus Nas uh, enough to go big game hunting i.e. Butler A.D. Pascal maybe if LeBron leaves the Lakers I'd say yes yes, because I think they will fully blow it up uh butler i am not so sure on that one that would take donovan mitchell going to to miami yeah it would have to be like a three-way situation yeah. gobert i don't know because i don't know what utah what they're thinking who they keep do they blow it up completely without that pelicans pick i think that takes the blazers out of the running i i kind of tend to believe that as well i think your best bet would be the lakers losing lebron ad you know maybe he stays and just doesn't care he's like i love la whatever but I think they'd want to ship him out and get picks. To be honest, I think they'd well, they want should. To reset. He can't stay healthy, so yeah. um, would we? Would we want that? By the way, I, AD's on the edge for me, man, because his injuries have been like. If, I, if, that's if, what I say too. I used to be all in, and now if I'm he like, lost twenty five pounds, I'd consider it. That ain't happening, man. Come just, on, you know when does it? When does a guy that's perfectly skinny, like he was cut skinny, mm-hmm. when does the guy add thirty pounds of muscle and then lose it? Like, show me who that is, Braun. Literally the only example. Okay, you're using an alien. You're yeah, using- I said literally the only example. The, the guy who special the guy who was 300 pounds in Miami and cut down <laughs> to 245 again. Yeah. Um, PDX underscore James at James twenty uh, James Huntley 27. Since we didn't get the Pels pick, do you anticipate that we love uh, love young players to help facilitate a grant trade? I'm assuming love was lump young players. And I think ultimately if that's what presents itself to Portland, I think that is still a very open door. Do I think it's likely? No. But do I think that possibility is there, particularly if Clutch and Jeremy Grant apply the necessary pressures? Yes. Yes, I do. William Hahn says, another broken down big guy for Portland? Why not? I.e. Anthony Davis. I mean, you're not wrong. I I just, I, I know what he can be. I just don't know if he will be. But that's the tough thing. I think this has been good. This has been cathartic. I've seen a lot. It started off with some angry, frustrated comments. They've, they're, they're slowly easing into, okay, I've still got my pitchfork right here. Well, I've look, still got my I, torch look, right here. Which you should. I don't, yeah, I don't think you and I are telling you to put no. the pitchfork down. I'm sitting here, and like I also have mine. But what I'm doing is I'm just playing the patience and I'm playing to see what this lottery pick will be, and then we can converse When we get to about, August, if they yeah. don't get stuff done, folks, I every summer I give it an opportunity. I always do. Well, and you were a I, fool for the last couple of years for doing but that. Again, I say, here are what's on the table. Sure. Let's see what happens. And then I evaluate it then. And I have gone into every year basically saying for the last five years, yeah, you screwed that up. Yeah. I try to find some good. They, they make the move for Larry Nance. I was like, hmm, a little bit of an overpay, but I like Nance as a player. Will they be able to utilize him the right way? Probably not because they have nothing but guards, but let's see. Right, right. You know, stuff like that. And then it's just, you know, that's how it goes. But we will wrap it up there. Uh, thank you. We've said like, you know, around 250 here for the last like half hour. We appreciate you. We love you guys. It's good to see everybody kind of work their way back for these. Um once I get Ricky O'Donnell settled in, I think we're going to go here either Thursday or Friday. Uh, I will lock that in, and we will uh, get back to business looking ahead to the draft as it pertains to the Portland Trailblazers. The draft lottery is less than a month away, which means I know. the combine is less than three weeks away. 
yep. because the combine leads up into the NBA draft. It will be uh, a it, two weeks will go by very quick, and all of a sudden we will be ramping into draft coverage. Right, um, right. And then once we kind of know where the pick lands, we will proceed on from there. Uh, again, if you're new here, we appreciate you. We love you. I've seen a bunch of new folks on tw- on Twitch, so thanks for coming back. Uh, we-, we appreciate you. Like, rate, review, subscribe if you're new to the show. What- what's a good job, Brandon? I was just going to ask you very, very quickly. Yeah, go. Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro and Ben Affleck as Phil Knight. Are you in or out on that movie? Because that's happening. You're kidding me. It was just announced by The Hollywood Reporter. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck teaming up for the true life story of Nike sneaker band Sonny Vaccaro. Damon will play Sonny Vaccaro. Damon's more believable as Vaccaro than Affleck as Knight by miles. Oh, I feel like Ben can look pretty close to Phil back in the day. Okay. The shaggy hair, like a mustache. I don't know about the accent or how he's going to sound because you never know. What yeah, he's from like, the Northeast, but... man. He he can't he... sound like he's from anywhere but the Northeast. His I'm Batman, in, though... his Batman had a Boston accent. I'm I'm in on the movie though. Like no no no. no. Listen, I'm 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 down for that. That movie should especially, be pretty good, especially if it goes into the dark stuff, which it should. Yes, I would hope it does, but it you know we'll see who's on set. Uh, Evan James says, upcoming guest. Right now, Ricky O'Donnell's on the books. I just need to nail down what, what day we're going to have him. Uh, I will announce more as I work to get them locked in. We will have a ton of, of off-season guests, though. And we might do some crossover stuff. We might get try to get Mike on at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, Locked on Blazers podcast. Um, pick his brain. I know he's given a lot of scenarios that are in play here. I do appreciate a lot of people in the... Everything me and Danny could have said today, you could have just heard and completely disagree with and i totally get it i'm not telling you to trust this organization fully i understand no i know but like i think the difference for me though is it's a different cat and i don't know if he's good but i know it ain't neil the other guy got 10 years i'm gonna give this guy at least 10 months before i want to throw him into the fire that's kind of what i'm saying and and we'll reassess this at the the summer we'll have a lot of guests throughout but like i think i feel better about talking this Mm -hmm. stuff out because i largely disagree with a lot of the discourse on twitter and I thought, I'm just going to address a lot of this on the pod. And you know what? It's good to hear that some people maybe have calmed down a little bit. And the light, life will go on. And uh, losing that pick may not be the end of the world. It's not great. And I'm not, telling, not, anybody, and I'm not telling anybody that it's not great. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, somebody, uh, DSJS, watch parties coming? Yes. Um, we took a little bit of time off. I will throw some watch parties up. And I, you know, what I'm thinking about doing is actually hosting a few more uh, public ones uh, just for, for the playoffs. So um, we'll probably mix like two public ones in there and the rest will be private. And then um, we'll probably throw a public one open for the draft lottery um, to get everybody involved for that. And then I am working on locating a, uh, a facility for the actual NBA draft watch party, which... I am not going to lock in until I know what pick the Blazers have because if they don't have a top four pick, yeah, yeah, might not go on location. <laughs> yeah, not not really worth it at that point because the because the likelihood that it gets traded goes up through the roof. So yeah, um, we appreciate you. We love you again. Thank you. Like, rate, review, subscribe if you're new to the show. Please like the show here on YouTube. It's free. It's easy. It is all good and easy to do. Uh, I will post this up on the podcast feed. I will have some more stuff up on the podcast meeting coming here 
real soon. Other than that, you guys enjoy the rest of the playoff action tonight. I believe the end of the third, yeah, Memphis is beating the brakes off Minnesota, which is kind of anticipated. Uh, and Trey Young had a James Harden-like 10-plus turnover game. Wah! Love to see it. Uh, for Brandon, I'm Danny. You can find us on social media at Jack Ramsey's, at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague, Jack Ramsey's at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, on IG, at Jack Ramsey's as well. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's it. Uh, other than that, we'll let you guys know when we have the uh, next live show with uh, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, and then I will book some other guests, and we'll go from there. Uh, enjoy the rest of your night, guys. Take care. Talk soon. Bye. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.